Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first ever episode of this podcast. I decided against doing a formal introductory episode mainly because... First of all, I don't really listen to those episodes myself. And second of all, I don't really know which direction this podcast is going to take us in. I really wanted to establish somewhat of an organic relationship with this little project that I'm working on, this podcast, because I have so many outlets in my life to perfect and to have structure. And I really wanted to just provide myself with an opportunity to just be and do something that I love doing, which is speaking, obviously. Um, Of course, in the comfort of my own little cozy nook. Um, But I, I feel like I've started to really feel the pressure to be structured and organized and meticulous and articulate in every area of my life. And I wanted this to be an opportunity to kind of release some of that and just see where it takes us. I have this idea in my head and it's something that I've had in my head since I started my own business and since I started kind of going down a different path that there's another way to do things and there's, um, you know, we don't always have to be adhering to a cookie cutter way of doing things and that we can still have a successful life and have a fulfilling life. And so in whichever ways I can prove that to myself and others, I really like to take that opportunity. So it's not to say that my goal with this podcast is to show everyone that you can be completely disorganized and still be successful. But I think what I'm trying to establish is just a more authentic and organic approach to content creation because I've just found with my presence on social media, sometimes I put too much pressure on myself to, you know, show up in a certain way, to speak in a really articulate way, and it can become exhausting. Um, I've seen a few creators talking about this kind of burnout that can happen very quickly when we try too hard to fit into this really, really um, specific structure and it kind of dampens that creative energy and that creative spirit. So with that said, that's just sort of a short intro to why I'm not doing an intro episode and it's a really good segue into today's topic. But before we dive into that, I'll give myself a little intro. So obviously my name is Siobhan. I am currently actually located in England but I'm originally from Canada and I create content and courses and 
provide resources online for opening up dialogue and providing support for mental health, specifically things like stress and anxiety. And I share this from a place of having gone through a experience myself with anxiety, um, having been in the corporate world for a while and then having burnt out from that and having had a bit of a mental crisis, mental health crisis. And then having been on a journey ever since then of reconnecting with myself and I share a lot about reconnecting with my inner child and helping others through that. So yeah, that's a little bit about me, I guess. I'm, I'm never good at doing that. It's funny, I was on a podcast recently and obviously the first question was, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. And I was, I sounded like a robot. Um, so it's never really something that I'm good at. I maybe need to get better at that elevator pitch, but there you have it. I'm sure we'll get to know each other more organically as time goes on and as I continue with this podcast, so we'll just allow that to happen as it does. But with that said, I want to segue into the topic for today, which is going to be basically the pressure to monetize every area of our lives and along with that, the sense of self-worth that is so deeply connected to what we can produce and our productivity levels and essentially what we can contribute to the marketplace and what impact that has on our mental health in ways that we are maybe not aware of. This is something that I've become more cognizant of within the last couple of years during COVID, especially since becoming self-employed because the boundaries of work and life are a lot more muddied. So I've been thinking about this and having a lot of conversations and it's something that I think is so insidious because we can believe that certain values that we've internalized are our own and until we actually have the opportunity to take a step back and consider whether some of these things that we've began to associate with our self-worth are really meaningful to us we can really just be in this cycle and I think for me that was a huge contributor to the mental health crisis that I had a couple of years ago was feeling so incredibly disconnected from the path that I was on and kind of questioning how I had got there questioning some of the decisions that I had made and examining the level of consciousness that I had made them with. And, you know, as I went through this process, a pretty significant self um, awareness journey and self inquiry and self reflection and healing, I began to bring to, to the surface some of the values that I was living by. I like to call it the internal compass that didn't feel like my own. They didn't feel like values that were incredibly important to me and yet all my decisions were kind of based off of those values. You know, we'll get into it a little bit further, but things like striving for career success and material wealth and physical appearance, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And as we'll talk about, I'm not necessarily saying that the pursuit of any one of these things is inherently bad, but when not balanced with intrinsic values that provide fulfillment and meaning to our lives without requiring any external validation, I think that we can easily get caught up in this cycle of 
never really feeling fulfilled and always feeling like we have more to do because there's endless opportunities for us to continue to climb those ladders and achieve more and be more successful and receive more external validation. So when I started to really notice this pattern within myself, the pressure to monetize every single area of my life and the pursuit of external validation in every capacity was kind of during COVID, to be honest, when everyone started developing and cultivating these creative hobbies and creative outlets. I myself have not been very connected actually with my creativity since I was really young and I was actually quite um, involved in the arts. I loved art. I loved drama, singing. I was in choir. That was kind of a part of myself that I let go. And so at the beginning of COVID, I actually took this course with this woman called Dr. Laura Batson. And the course was all about finding something within yourself that you wanted to liberate and has a lot of parallels with inner child work and essentially talking about how we're coming back kind of in a circular fashion to ourselves and our true nature and the parts of ourselves that maybe were flattened or straightened into a straight line because of societal programming or shame, pain, guilt. The characteristics that immediately came to me was creativity. And that was the thing she had provided a prompt that was essentially, what do you want to liberate within the duration of this course? And mine was creativity. I started to reflect back on when I sort of lost this connection with that creative part of myself. And I remembered actually in a specific time where we had to do these art projects and I was very proud of mine. And, you know, this is probably a shared experience that many people have had, but I didn't get a very good mark. And, you know, I academically during that time, this was about grade six. So I don't know how old that would have made me, maybe around 10 or 11. But academically at that time, I was doing really well in other subjects like math, science, English, etc. And so with the bad marks coming in, I shouldn't say bad, the marks that I was not happy about coming in and feeling kind of discouraged in that regard. And also this subliminal messaging that's always circulating about how, you know, creative pursuits are not career paths therefore they're not really worth our time and at the same time just seeing other people being you know quote-unquote better than me at art there's always that one person who's the most artistic and the best in art class and so when I would compare myself to them and see okay I'm not doing very well in this subject this person's amazing what does that mean for me and my creativity that comparison And then at the same time, feeling like, oh, I'm doing so well in all these other subjects. And I'm also being told that these subjects are really useful for potential career paths that you might be interested in the future. So naturally, I think not out of a conscious decision, I just started to kind of categorize that area of life as not useful to me. Not only that, but there did come a certain point in primary school where being enthusiastic about certain creative outlets, singing, dancing, doing drama is not cool. Myself having been extremely obsessed with being cool, 
I started to let that part of myself go. And this story that I'm telling, I'm not just telling it randomly because I want to talk about my childhood. Although, don't get me wrong, I could talk about it for hours and hours and hours. However, the reason I'm telling it is because I think that this decision-making process, this unconscious decision-making process where I you know, was able to see other people performing better. And then I was also having this messaging that, okay, creative hobbies are not um, important to career path, etc. I think that same kind of subconscious process that's going on that leads us to think that certain things are not worthy of our time is still happening well into adulthood. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason that we think in this way and I've started to learn about that reason and to be honest it's kind of sad because it it leads us to have this hierarchy in our mind of the best ways to spend time which brings me to essentially this concept that I read about recently which is called the market-driven identity. Essentially what this refers to is our identities being so interconnected with what we can contribute to the marketplace and essentially societies that are built around things like capitalism benefit from us associating our self-worth with our performance in the marketplace because as long as we continue to strive for the things that uphold those systems the systems can remain in place and really thrive so for example as long as we feel that our self-worth is deeply connected to the degree to which we climb, let's say, some sort of corporate ladder or career ladder, we're going to continue to invest a lot of time and energy into that pursuit. Or if we feel as though our self-worth is connected with things like our physical appearance and the clothes that we wear, we're going to continue to invest time and energy and money into the things that will make us feel good about our physical appearance. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, it's not to say that those pursuits are bad or wrong, but it's being mindful of what that disproportionate focus on those external validation systems has on our internal systems and our ability to relax and rest and how this energy of needing to always be at our best and to be performing well and to be productive percolates into our psyches and makes us feel completely inadequate when we're not able to perform at those same levels. What I wanted to talk about as well was this pressure to monetize every single area of our lives. And the reason I bring this up is because it's something that I've become aware of within myself since the beginning of COVID. So at the beginning of COVID, many of us you know, reconnected with certain creative hobbies and creative outlets. And something that I really started to notice within myself and I was having a conversation with my friend about this is that it didn't seem for me like I could just do anything and not have to then receive some sort of validation about it. So if I did some sort of art piece, I would have to send it to a friend. I would have to post on Instagram. If I did some sort of sewing thing, I would need to, again, post it, receive some messages. And then I started thinking about, ooh, could I sell this? And again, I am all for having multiple streams of income and being empowered in 
spending and receiving money. However, I think there's a certain energy that comes along with needing to monetize things that can actually kind of create a little bit of resentment. In my opinion, one of the most beautiful things about certain creative endeavors is the fact that we can just do them for the sake of doing them and we can get lost in these activities and not be so in our heads and really just be fully immersed in that activity. I can't tell you how many hours I felt as though I was completely immersed in sewing when I was sewing for a while and it would just make me completely forget about everything else in the best way and essentially because I'm so focused on the activity it's almost like a mindfulness exercise and it doesn't really require any sort of validation but I would find that the minute that I was expecting that is when it kind of shifted the relationship. This all kind of comes back to this idea that I find is really well articulated within mindfulness and it's essentially the difference between doing and being and this is referred to as so many different things. Some people call it feminine masculine, you know, all sorts of different ways of framing this and of course in life there's so much nuance and so much gray area so I'm certainly not suggesting that we have two specific ways of operating and that's it but for the purpose of this conversation I really like to use this example so I like to think of these two modes of mind we'll call them as gears in a car so basically each gear is used for a different type of activity so on one hand we have doing which is again that kind of task-oriented, performance-oriented, productivity-oriented, so we're looking for some sort of output. And on the other hand, we have being, which is really an experiential, moment-to-moment kind of experience. And I always think of this as being more childlike in nature, in that it doesn't necessarily require any type of external output or external validation. So I did an exercise early on in my journey with mindfulness where essentially you create a chart. So it's just a T-chart and on one side you have doing and on the other side you have being. And you kind of just take stock of the activities in your life that you would put into the doing category. So you could do this just for a day. So in my daily life, here are the activities that I would put into this category. And on the other hand, what are the activities that I would have more of a being energy we'll call it and so when I did this exercise for the first time I really took my time with it and even some of the activities that I would have put in the being category like reading or certain creative endeavors I realized I should actually put in the doing category because nine times out of ten I bring that same energy into those activities where I'm you know, putting pressure on myself for if I'm doing a creative hobby, for it to be perfect, for it to look a certain way, um, to share it on social media. And then with something like reading, I have a Kindle and I'm always looking at the percentage bar and I'm always trying to think about my next book and when I'll add that to my Goodreads list and so on and so forth. So what I was left with was a very long doing list and a very short being list. So the reason I'm using this example is because I think even some of the activities that we think are more of our kind of restful, um, mindful practices, we might still be bringing that energy into. And this is what I mean about that percolation of 
this value system within society of needing to always be optimized in every single area and optimized as being measured by how well we can contribute to society. So if we're looking to have optimal health, it's so that we can have optimal productivity levels, so that we can have optimal contributions to our career path and blah, 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 blah. So this is something that I think requires bringing awareness to, at least within myself, because it's created a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress and a lot of inner turmoil for me to have my self-worth so connected with these things. And again, it's not to say that that's such a bad thing to strive for things and to have goals, but when we don't have a balance of intrinsically motivating values, then I think that that's when it becomes really unattainable. Not to mention, I actually posted this recently on social media talking about this exact topic and someone commented and they made a really good point that we also have to consider that when we're living in this way and we're focused so heavily and so disproportionately on extrinsic values and extrinsic motivation, we essentially get this feeling that we're never quite good enough because again there's always endless opportunities to improve and this again can pertain to every area of life from fitness to health to career to appearance it's just a never-ending thing but the moment that we reclaim our self-worth and recognize that our self-worth is inherent meaning that we don't need anything external to prove that we are worthy of you know love approval acceptance and compassion and kindness we're no longer needing to constantly receive these different forms of external validation in order to feel good about ourselves if we think about having sort of a baseline level of self-worth i think that when it's attached to external forms of validation it's always going to fluctuate up and down. That baseline is not going to be very stable because when those forms of external validation are taken away, let's say, for example, our self-worth is really connected with our career and let's say we get sick or we burn out, then we don't have that external system that's proving that we're worthy of love, approval, acceptance, etc. And so our self-worth plummets whereas on the other hand if we can cultivate at least some sense of internal self-worth that is inherent then we know that no matter what happens in our lives we're still worthy of having a life that is meaningful and fulfilling and having people that love us and we love them you may be thinking this already and i have to point this out if we're in this place of having inherent self-worth and feeling and being aware of our inherent sense of self-worth we aren't as compelled to consume. And that's not good for the marketplace, is it? And so what you'll begin to notice is that some of these industries benefit from keeping our self-worth low and from making us believe that our self-worth should be connected to these things. And I do want to be clear on something because this is something that I actually really struggled with when I first started exploring spirituality. I think I was consuming a lot of literature that was centered around the belief that we should be happy with nothing and it's not to say that I don't feel that that's true but it doesn't have to be true to everyone. You know some people 
are really fulfilled through a minimalist lifestyle. And some people are fulfilled through, you know, having lots of physical pleasures. The reality is, is we are in the physical material plane. And as a result, I don't think that it's immoral to enjoy material goods but it's just about shifting the relationship to the point where these are complementing and enriching your life rather than filling a void within your sense of self-worth and a question i get asked all the time when i talk about this on social media is okay i i feel that this is important for me to do but how do i start to shift this and an analogy that I always use for thinking about our internal value systems is that we have kind of this inner compass. And you might have heard that, you know, within the world of, I don't even know what to call it, boating, if a compass is off by even a couple of degrees, then the boat can be led completely off course. And I kind of think of that as the same as our lives. So if our internal compass systems, which represent our internalized set of values and beliefs and attitudes, etc., if they are set to the values of someone else, that is when I think we come to a place in our lives when we realize, okay, how did I get here? Like this doesn't feel like a path that I chose for myself. It feels like one that I was kind of led to and then I just never had that awareness to question it. And so when we do get to that point it's kind of like there's a fork. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. In the road, or we have to realign that compass into a direction that is meaningful to us and start to get onto a path that feels fulfilling to our values. And so that is kind of the process that I like to go through. And, you know, there are so many different ways that you can get in touch with your own values. I think I always look at it as kind of a four step process. First, learning about, you know, what does it mean to be authentic and to be living on an authentic life and connecting with that for yourself and getting a vision of what it would mean to you to be connected with those things. And then the second step being learning about all of the adaptive ways that you have strayed from this authentic self and why that is. Because 
therein lies some of the wounding that you might be operating from. So it's not necessarily the reason that you are in the place that you were in is because someone else handed you this set of values. It's also that sometimes we have experiences that lead us to adapt to basically this protective mechanism so that we're not we don't have that experience again and as a result rather than being true to ourselves we're just trying not to get rejected or trying not to be abandoned etc and that can feel also really disconnecting so learning about what those things are for yourself learning about your wounds not necessarily needing to go back and unpack everything but maybe just looking in the present moment what am I operating out of am I operating out of a place of feeling connected to my life path or am I operating at a place of saving myself from rejection or saving myself from judgment and why is that 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 is such a primary pursuit for me what happened that is causing that then from there again learning about the core values there are so many different ways that you can do this sometimes it's an organic uh, process that can unfold sometimes there are prompts and things that you can use and books that you can read and also just experimenting and seeing what types of activities really provide you with energy and I always like to say to someone if you feel like you're getting reacquainted with yourself so if you feel like you're getting to know yourself again because maybe you had been living in alignment with someone else's values and someone else's expectations of you for a really long time then it's almost like you're meeting someone new so if you were meeting someone new let's say you were dating them you would ask them questions you would get to know them you would take them out on dates so taking yourself out on dates you would see what they like to do you would try new things together so it's kind of that same approach I read this one book a while ago that talked about taking yourself out on like a weekly date and just seeing what happens and seeing how you react and respond and from that maybe finding a little bit more about yourself and what you value and then you know the fourth step being just integrating all of that and starting to live by the values that you've discovered are important to you so for me what that process looked like was recognizing that I was in this place Again, coming back to the theme of today's episode, I was really living to meet the expectations of basically society of an individual that is, you know, climbing the corporate ladder and achieving academic success. And that felt like a lot of dissonance within me because, of course, those things may be important to me on some level, but to be spending so much time and energy and constantly not feeling like I'm enough, it was just this constant uphill battle and so coming back to myself felt like learning that actually freedom is really important to me as well and I had felt so confined by the structure of the lifestyle that I was living in that didn't offer me the freedom to explore and be curious and to travel and try new things and meet new people and just have time in the day to rest and relax and recharge and have that creative energy. So then learning about why I adapted in this way and why I prioritized my life in the way I did and what had happened perhaps. So telling that story about the art 
um, in school. And that's just a small example of something that, again, took me away from this creative and brought me into this very academic, rigid mindset. So learning about those things, finally being able to actually integrate that in small ways in my day-to-day life. So yeah, that is basically a little tangent on how to reclaim and cultivate that sense of inherent self-worth that can be a safeguard against the constant outward pressure to perform and be productive. Because the reality is, in my opinion, this pressure isn't going away tomorrow. It's not going away anytime soon. I certainly think a lot of people are becoming aware of the impact that this pressure to always be at our top and optimize has in our mental health. I think a lot of more people are becoming aware of that. But at the same time, I think it's going to take time and conscious effort to start to work towards a more healthy balance and like I said given that all of the structures that are in place that uphold the systems within our society rely on people not feeling worthy within themselves that means that it it's going to be a challenge so it does require effort in my opinion and that comes down to even day-to-day conversations with not feeling like we have to fill space with what we've been doing and what we've been up to so when I first started my own business and was self-employed it was really important to me to not immediately jump right back into the same habits that made me feel burnt out in my corporate job because when we're in that habit it's easy to say okay I'm going to go and start my own thing but if we're in this kind of same routine of just overworking and spending so much time at the computer and not eating meals and you know all of these things that I would do we can't expect a different outcome and for me in the first month or so when I was self-employed I jumped right back into that routine and so it was really important to me I I kind of went back to the drawing board and recognized okay now I have the opportunity I've cultivated this freedom now I have the opportunity to actually use that freedom to provide myself with the rest that I know I need but the reason I bring this up is because then I would have conversations with people who'd be like oh you know what are you up to in your business and I felt like I had to provide more than what I had to offer so I had to kind of embellish what it was that I was doing and it's almost like it's a badge of honor to say oh I've been so busy I've been so hectic I'm so burnt out and to me that's so bizarre like it's so bizarre when you take a look back at it it's like how busy are you how stressed out are you because being calm and being restful and taking time to rest is there's a whole host of judgments that come along with that. It's like, oh, well, you must be this. You must be that. You must have a certain amount of money, da-da-da. And it's like, it's it's understandable to an extent because, you know, I, I certainly recognize that it's not possible for some of us in the structures that we're working in or with the financial pressure that we have to integrate that. But at the same time, I think that rather than shaming people who are able to to do that healthy thing for themselves that makes them feel good and replenished we should be trying to shift the structures that don't allow us to have those for ourselves and I certainly don't have all the answers to what those shifts would look like I know for me when I was working in a startup I was very lucky because I had the opportunity to discuss 
options for improving our wellness and improving um, mental health within the workplace. But I know that not everyone has that. So I'm certainly not suggesting that if you're not doing this for yourself, you should be because I, I certainly recognize we all have different limitations. But I just wanted to use this example to you know, paint the picture that even when you decide to cultivate an inherent sense of self-worth and you start taking back your power in that way, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have these opportunities in your day-to-day life to feel badly about yourself because I do think it takes time. I posted something recently about how I feel as though I'm now in a place where I'm no longer associating my productivity levels and my career success, at least not to the extent that I used to, with my sense of self-worth and I got a lot of questions from people saying how do you do this and like I just explained that process but I want to add that it's not okay now I'm done with that whole journey of cultivating the sense of self-worth and I'm done. I think it's ongoing and again unless you're living in a bubble you're always going to be presented with opportunities to feel badly about yourself because you're not performing in the way someone you know is. I do see this as an ongoing practice and a lifelong practice and I think that it's something that will continue to ebb and flow in every chapter of life because there will always be new opportunities to compare myself to people at different stages of my life. And I want to talk specifically about the pressure that I'm feeling right now in the chapter of my life that I'm in now because it's something that I'm grappling with and I know whenever I talk about this on social media, other people can relate. So essentially, it's the pressure of being a small business owner and or not, you know, I'm sure people who are not business owners could relate to this as well. But again, coming back to this idea of needing to monetize every single area of life and the set of rules and structure that comes along with it. So I mentioned earlier in this episode that one thing that I wanted to prove to myself was that I don't always have to follow the exact rules and exact structures in order to achieve success. I think I've always kind of been this, I've had this kind of rebellious rule breaker side to myself where I hear something that, oh, this is how you have to do this. And I just don't want to do it that way. I mean, when it comes to doing business, there are certain things that I don't want to do. I don't resonate with them. I It doesn't give me energy. And of course, of course, there are things that we have to do that we don't want to. But I'm talking about things that don't feel good to me, like being super salesy or doing a thousand email marketing campaigns or, you know, running certain ads. It's It's this constant feeling of again pushing a train uphill I don't know why I chose that as an analogy but I think I saw it on a podcast once actually where they talked about the difference between kind of being in flow versus constantly trying to force things I think there's this very I'll say masculine but what I mean is kind of going back to that doing energy of business and I know it's a very you know that's kind of the way that it is but I want to convince myself that there's a way of doing it in a more natural flowy feminine and I don't know like what I'm trying to say is I think that success can also be a byproduct of being completely yourself if that makes sense like we see some 
really, really successful people. And I'm sure that they do some things in their life that don't necessarily feel like themselves. A good example of this, she's the first example that comes to mind, is Emma Chamberlain. If you listen to her podcasts, she, to me, sounds like she's being so authentic and her videos feel very authentic. And then occasionally she does an ad and like her voice is like monotone and super like no expression and it's interesting to me because it's like okay well you got to do what you got to do and I and I'm not faulting her for that and I think that we all have to do some of those things but it's just so interesting that you can tell she's a good example of someone that you can tell the energetic shift of okay here's something that I'm really passionate about and that I can talk about easily and here is the energy that I bring to that so just talking about her vlogs and everything like that she's super natural super easygoing and and talks really um, naturally versus like her super scripted ads specifically on her podcast where it just seems like something that she has to do and what I think I'm trying to say is I think for me in the past that energy of what she is doing in her ads was the predominant energy that I had in every area of my life because I felt like every area I was trying to force myself to be something that I wasn't and when it comes to business I think again there are certain things that we kind of have to just do if we want to thrive and we want to operate in this space but at the same time if we don't have that balance of activities that make us feel really fulfilled and content and like we can bring energy them to them and we can keep coming back and keep providing value I just don't really think that that resonates with a a potential customer and I've talked about this so many times about this kind of like desperation energy that comes across when we're always trying to monetize and to me like I haven't really been able to find what works for me quite yet and what is really going to take my business to the next level I am super honest about everything and I'm still in a place where I freelance um, digital marketing freelancing on the side and maybe I will continue to do that because you know what it takes a lot of pressure off of me to monetize you know my own small business in a way that would be completely supportive of my life and maybe that's not such a bad thing I don't know I can talk about that on another episode but for today I just wanted to touch on this really specific type of energy that comes with monetization and relying heavily on something to support us financially and doing so in a way that doesn't feel authentic so let's say in a day you have like five to ten things that you do you do your email marketing you do your social media all I'm suggesting is that perhaps a balance of like one to two things that you don't love doing can be balanced out with things that you do because I think coming from that place for me personally whenever I'm consuming something from an individual um If it's a brand, I don't think it necessarily comes across as much, but from an individual is when they have passion and energy and believe in what they're talking about. And I think the reality is, is if the structure of what we are sharing does not feel good, we're not going to be able to bring that passionate, alive energy and it just doesn't resonate quite as much, at least not for me. I just want to get a little bit more specific about what I mean about certain types of things that I don't like doing that don't resonate with me and that I quite honestly feel at my wits end about is occasionally I'll open TikTok and 
please, if you make these videos, do not take this personally. It's my own, it's my own thing. And I'm sure, to be honest, I've made a video like this before. But what I'm trying to touch on is a exhaustion with this messaging of optimization of everything. So I get on TikTok sometimes and I actually really appreciate these people because they give off a lot of good tips, but occasionally on a bad day, I just can't stand it. And what it is, is it's a certain type of um, creator who is teaching you how to optimize your TikTok. And that's great. I've, like I said, I've taken a lot of tips, but you have this in every area. You have people who are telling you how to optimize your SEO, your digital marketing, your ads, etc. And I love it. It's great. You know, I do that in relation to mental health. I'm talking about supporting yourself and helping yourself to improve. However, I think when we're constantly bombarded, and the reason I bring up this TikTok thing is because this happened to me today where I opened TikTok and it's like five tips to grow your brand or your TikTok page by a thousand followers overnight. And it's like, I don't know if anyone else feels this, but I'm so sick of seeing this type of stuff. I'm so sick of seeing five tips to boost your email marketing campaign performance, blah, blah, blah. Five tips to boost your SEO. And again, this is nothing against the people that are putting this out there because they're helping people. What I'm trying to get at is this constant nagging energy to improve. And it's like, okay, well, why do I need to be pouring so much energy into creating the most well-articulated email so that someone purchases? Like, in my opinion, if someone really wants to purchase or, you know, be involved or be connected with me in some type of way, I just want my offerings to speak for themselves. And I know that there's a middle ground. I know, you know, from experience, I'm in digital marketing. So I know the metrics and I know that framing things in a certain way does help. But there has to be an infusion of personal connection and authenticity in my opinion, because otherwise I think it's just a recipe for burnout if you're not that type of person. I do know people in my life, one of my old bosses, he loved that stuff. He loved optimizing. He loved, you know, wording things in such a way and testing and trying out different things and that filled him up and he seemed to enjoy it a lot. For me, it just makes me feel going back to that childhood version of myself, putting myself into every type of category I needed to in order to be loved, approved, and accepted. It's like the same thing to me. It's like, okay, how do I need to to frame this email in order for you to buy from me? How do I need to word this TikTok in order for you to like my video? And it's, again, just repackaged things that we need to do to ourselves. Here's five tips for you to change yourself so that people will like you. Like, that's what it seems like to me. And that's why I think this bombardment of repackaged, you are not worthy on your own. Here's what you need to make yourself worthy because you need to measure your worthiness with your um, number of followers, et cetera, et cetera. So anyways, it's just me going on a rant about how as of recently, this type of messaging, I cannot describe to you how much I don't want to see it anymore. And really, that was why I wanted to create this podcast in the most organic way possible was because, you know what, at the end of the day, we're about 40, 50 minutes into this podcast now. If you're still listening to this, like, 
I appreciate you so much. What it means is that on some level, you resonated with what I'm saying. I feel like none of this has necessarily been super curated in order to keep you listening. It just means that we're two people who connect and you really like the ideas that I'm sharing and maybe you have some of the same ideas and maybe you can go out and share some of the same ideas with other people that will help them to think in a different way and be more fulfilled within themselves. And I know that there is some packaging that might need to occur in order for me to reach a certain amount of people, but it cannot be with the energy of trying to receive these things that I'm looking for in order to validate myself. So listen, for the people who, I guess there does come a point where we have to accept that there's only so much we can do, that there's only so much within our control in order to receive these things that we're looking for. You know, at the end of the day, there's always going to be people that don't resonate with you and that don't want to purchase from your company if you have a company or want to follow you if you have a, a, a social media presence or anything like that. And there's a level of acceptance and a level of stability in knowing that even the absence of the acceptance or approval of these people, you still feel solid within yourself. I feel like that's a lot to think about and unpack, especially if you're just thinking about these things for the first time. So I think I'm going to leave it at that. I really enjoyed this. I hope you did too. Be surprised at how enjoyable it is to sit by yourself and talk to yourself for an hour straight in the basement. I talk all the time about how this is a very therapeutic thing to just speak whatever is on your mind aloud, whether that's to yourself or to someone else or into your voice notes. But with that said, all I'm trying to say is I really enjoyed this. I hope you did too. And I will see you next time. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.